0: Um, so uh, we did this last week uh, and we hadn't done it for a while until last week but I'm going to get you to, to do it again and um, so I just invite you to stand now as we come towards God's Word and um, as, as I said last week you, you probably think oh here was our time to settle down and sit and we've done the standing bit, we've done the, the singing bit, we've, we've, we've contributed our bit, now's the time to sit back and relax and um, enjoy the show. Um, but I want to encourage you uh, as I said last week that you know, I came prepared to preach this morning and I don't want to, whether you spent time, you know, preparing yourself this over the last week to, I'm, I'm just getting ready to hear a sermon this week and um, things like that. that that's, that's beside the point. What I want us to do now is just to prepare ourselves to receive. Um, I love what Hannah said. She said that God wants to speak to us more than we're ready to listen or more than we want to listen uh, and so it's not about what I have to say this morning, though I hope what I've prepared is uh, of God's heart for us this morning. But I, I want to encourage you to take this moment, we've got church meetings, we've got movies coming up, um, that's just church life, but there's also things in your life coming up. And as I said last week, you can tell those things to wait, because you're here this morning to hear from what God has for you uh, through me and through His Word. Um, and so I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for Jacob and, um, and uh, his ongoing treatment and recovery. And then we're going to pray for ourselves as we come to God's Word this morning. And then you will be allowed to sit, but you're not allowed to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Uh, that's forbidden. Um, you're, you're to seek and actively receive what God's saying to us this morning. So Father, uh, we thank you as Jill shared testimony this morning of Jacob's surgery that it went well uh, and that he's recovering well. And we pray in the name of Jesus and we just declare that your name is stronger and more powerful than cancer and so we pray through the hands of his doctors and through the work of your Holy Spirit that his body will be completely set free from every single cancerous cell in Jesus name and Father we pray for us this morning as a church as we come to your word as we think about what culture do you want us to have as a church we pray that you would uh, enable us to receive as Hannah said we, we, we don't always want to hear as much as you want to uh, speak to us. And so, above and beyond my words this morning, Father, I pray that you speak through the words of Scripture and above and beyond that even, I pray that you speak to us by your Holy Spirit this morning, that your Holy Spirit would take this Scripture, these Scriptures and and like a two-edged sword, divide to our very heart and speak to us and shape us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, well, you can take a seat. Um. And so our our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 10, Um, and and, uh, given time-wise, it's great to have so many testimonies this morning, and it's uh, really encouraging, and and some mornings we've got one, some mornings we've got uh, many, and it's great to create time for that and just let God speak through His actions in the life of us. And so uh, I'm just going to jump straight into it this morning, we'll we'll, we'll work through this passage and then look at some other things as we go. So if you've got Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin at verse 19. Um, um, and so Hebrews chapter ten verse nineteen begins with this: Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the Most Holy Place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is His body, and since we have a great Priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance. That faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. And, and so, this passage begins with uh, the writer of Hebrews saying, "Since God's done all of this, since we have this access to God because of Jesus' death on the cross, and and using that." Death is a metaphor, as as the scriptures tell us, that as Jesus died upon the cross, the curtain that represented the barrier between people and God was torn in two. And he's saying that there's a new way opened up to us through that curtain, and that is Jesus' body has been rendered, torn apart, so that we might enter through into the presence of God. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, because of all of this enormity of what God has enabled for us to step into his presence, let us draw near to God. And then he goes on to say, And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we've begun this series called Culture Code. And what we're exploring in this series is what should be the culture of the church? Not how we should, should we react to the world, how should we uh, be enmeshed with the world. We're kind of putting the world to the side for the moment. That's the culture of the world and saying, well, what does God say through his word about how we should relate to one another in the church? And so we began by talking about love. And, and I said that love is the number one uh, defining cultural uh, to to the church, that it's the thing that should define everything about the culture of the church. And so in a real sense, everything flows out of that. Last week we spoke about honor, that, that the church is a place where everybody from the from the, the, the top of the tree... Uh, if there's a tree to be the top of in the church, from the top of the tree to the very roots of it, from the head of the body to the toe, uh, the, the, the parts that the world would honour and the parts that the world would not honour, uh, the church is a, is, should be a culture in which every single person is honoured. And so this week, I want to grab hold of that last little part of that passage we read uh, and, and some other passages and talk about the church should be a culture of encouragement that these are the cultural codes in a sense love honor encourage and so uh you might be thinking well what's the difference between honoring somebody and encouraging them if we look at this it's it's kind of uh, in this verse it talks about encouraging one another and but what's the difference between honoring one another and encouraging them and and uh I'd say that there's not always a hard line between them. Uh, Carl had a great phrase this week, whether he made it up or not, I want to honour him for saying, and it just was an aha moment for me. He wasn't talking about this, he was talking about something else, but when we draw hard lines between things and and, and try and really clarify that line, often what we end up doing is leaving a gap. And so there is an overlap between encouragement and honour, but I want to suggest that honouring somebody is seeing the value in them and expressing value for that person just as they are. But encouragement, literally it means to give courage, to give courage and confidence is to speak and act towards them in a way that helps them, gives them courage to become who they're called to be. And so honoring is seeing the value and saying, and expressing the the value for that person just as they are. It's overlooking the things that we might uh, categorize as devaluing or reasons for lessening our honor of them and saying they are are a person of honour because God gave the most precious thing for them so they could not be of more value. But encouragement is speaking and acting in a way that gives people courage and confidence to become who they're called to be. And so the writer of Hebrews says, uh, "'Let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds.'" Let us, you know, poke each other in the ribs and and keep each other going and and encourage one another towards the love and the good deeds we're called to do. Let's, Let's encourage each other to step into our true identity in Jesus Christ. Because the scripture says that we were called, saved for good deeds that have been prepared in advance for us. It's not a matter of, are there good, is there good things for us to do? They're they're there waiting for us. And and so the writer of Hebrews says, let us spur each other on so that we step into those things. Uh, The scripture says that we've been transformed from glory to glory into what? Into the image of Jesus Christ. And and, and so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, encourage one another to step in to our identities. The Greek word um, or or the root word, uh, for encourage here comes from two, two words that's, and it's parakaleo, parakaleo and it comes from the word para which means close beside someone and so I'm, I'm close beside James right here, I'm para to him, I guess it's where we get the word parallel from and the word um, kaleo which means make a call, it's, it's shouting out and so the idea of encouragement here is coming alongside someone to encourage them. It's, it's kind of running alongside and cheering them on and saying, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. It's, it's like someone running a marathon. And there's moments in that marathon where it, where it gets hard and, and you might be on the sidelines and calling out, you can do it, keep going. Or you might run alongside that, that runner and say, you can do this, keep going. It's someone who comes alongside and calls out. Our, our actions can encourage others, but there's, a, there's an essential element to this that is a speaking thing. It's a cheering someone on, it's an encouragement that people can keep going, people can become more. And so the writer of Hebrews says, some are in the habit of giving up, or some are giving up on the habit of meeting together. And so the context of the whole book of Hebrews, it, it's written to a group of, of mostly Jewish, formerly Jewish Christians who are just starting to drift away, who kind of entered into this Christian faith thing that they believe Jesus was the Messiah, but things are starting to get a little bit tough. The, the, the church is starting to get a bit persecuted and so they're starting to drift away. They're starting to lose that enthusiasm of faith that they had. Some are losing heart. Some are losing their grip on the hope that they once had. And so if we can identify with that. We're, we're, we're perhaps not persecuted in Australia, though sometimes we, we lose some privilege and as, as a church and we think, oh, that's Persecution. Um, but I think we've got a ways to go in Australia before we are really facing real persecution. But we can identify with that idea of, of just losing our grip a little bit at times, o- of things getting a bit hard in a season in life and, 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 and just kind of like, oh, just, I just uh, I'm just going to have a break. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to take a step back. And so this isn't a criticism of having a Sunday off and I'm not intentionally not focusing on the, on the don't give up meeting together but, I, but, but the context of this is that people are losing hope, people are losing enthusiasm, people are starting to wonder if it's all worth it. And so in that context the writer of Hebrews says, let us spur one another on, let us encourage one another, let us come alongside those that are starting to lose hope, that are starting to stumble, that are starting to to lose enthusiasm, and let's cheer them on. Let's call them up into who they're called to be, into what they're created to be, into the good works that God has prepared in advance for them to do. And I love that, that line, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. I love it because it, it suggests that there's a whole bunch of intentional thought here. See, sometimes we, we wait until we feel like we, we're an encouraging person. We wait until I'm feeling great, I'm kind of on the top of the world and so I'm ready to encourage. But that's not what it's saying here. It's not saying if you're in a good mood, try and think about encouraging others. It's saying, let us consider, let us make the choice to spur each other on. Let us consider how we might do that. Let's think about the ways in which we might choose to encourage one another in the church, to spur one another on, to say, you can keep going, you can do it. Um, The writer of the Hebrews was a big believer in encouragement because we can jump back to uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and the writer of Hebrews tells us how often uh, he or she believes that we should encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I just love that. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Um, if you've got the U version notes, you'll notice I've titled that only encourage other people on days ending with Y. And so I want to say this morning, today is called today. And so the Bible, God's Word tells us that today is a day that we should be encouraging one another. And I want to tell you something else. Tomorrow when we get there, that will then call, be called today. And so tomorrow when we get there, will be called today and that's a day that we should be encouraging one another. And when you get to Tuesday, which is a few days off, Right now it's a day ending in y but it will be it will be called today when you get to tuesday and that's a day that God's word to you says that you should be encouraging one another We only encourage one another in days ending in y and so what this is saying is it should be our habit. The culture of the church should be at a habitually encouraging community. Uh, so much so that you know we, we, we need to develop habits. It takes effort to get habits going. Some people say it takes 20 days, some it take, takes 30, some people take 60. It's actually the, the bigger the thing that you're trying to create a habit out of, the longer it takes. But, but we should be a place that we've cu- cultivated this habit within ourselves and within our community that encouraging one another becomes our impulse that you can't spend time with a member of your church family and not come away having been encouraged and you might be thinking, oh you know he's a bit over the top he's gotten excited about this encouraged thing this morning but i want to suggest that this is what our culture should be that we do not have a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ in which we do not speak or act in a way that is intended to encourage them. Less we'll all lose heart. We'll all go through seasons where we give up or lose the habit of meeting together. In fact, encouragement should be our DNA. Our DNA should be one of encouragement. We have the God, the Father, our Father who shaped us is an encourager. In fact, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, one of the, the names given to him by Jesus in John 14, 16 is the paraclete, which is the same word structure as parakaleo of coming alongside and cheering on and so the Holy Spirit one of his roles in our life is to come alongside us and say you can do it you can keep going you can be who God has called and created you to be and so when when we are encouraging one another, what we're actually doing is bringing ourselves in alignment with what the Holy Spirit's already doing and wants to do in the life of that person. In Galatians, Paul says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so if we, if we step into encouraging one another, we're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And so as we begin or, or continue or seek, seek to ramp up this practice of encouraging one another, a good question to ask is... Holy Spirit, how can I encourage this person? What would you have me say to this person to give them courage and confidence to step into who God's calling them to be? And so we only encourage one another in days that end in why? And we should only encourage one another and not tear each other down. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.29... Do not let any unwholesome or we could say unhelpful talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to whose needs? So when I'm speaking to someone, it's their needs. So what I say to you should be shaped to build you up according to your needs, that it may benefit who? Those who are listening. As I was preparing this and read that, I'm like, how often do I speak to someone? I just want to give you a word of encouragement or something like that. But it's really about getting them to do what I need them to do for me. And so the Apostle Paul says, don't let anything come out of your mouth that's unwholesome or unhelpful, that's going to tear them down or cut them down to size. We have this great uh, I've spoken about this culture in our country, I would call it a cultural contagion of the tall poppy syndrome. Where someone kind of is doing well and so our response is, ah, oh, got to cut that guy down to size, got to cut that woman down to size. Or we have this idea of, oh, I don't want to give someone a big head by encouraging them. So the Apostle Paul says, God's Word says, be careful with your words. Use them to build up and to benefit those who listen. It doesn't take a genius to find things about a person that if you spoke them out to them would tear them down. We're all human If I asked you to list off some things to cut me down the size size this morning, um, we would have a a much longer open mic session than our testimonies this morning. (laughs) It's not hard to find things wrong about other people. It's not smart. It's not the gift of discernment to see things wrong about another person. We're called to use our words not for our benefit, not to seem smart and cut people down to size, but to build others up for their benefit. That doesn't mean that encouragement doesn't ever involve pointing out a way that something might work better in someone's life, but the the intent is not, I can see something wrong about you and I have a need for you to know that I can see that. The intent is, I want to call you up, I want to build you up, I want to give you courage to step into who Christ has called you to be. See, the thing about real encouragement is it doesn't lead to pride, it doesn't lead to big heads, real encouragement is humbling. Who's ever been really encouraged by someone and, and just someone spoken something over their life and, and built them up and, and called them into their destiny and identity and that experience has actually been really humbling. The true encouragement does not give you a big head. True encouragement leads to humble hearts, not big heads. And so we're called to encourage only in days ending with why? We're called to build up, not to tear down. We're called to speak words of encouragement and identity and destiny into people's lives. And, and so the scripture gives us a great example of that over and over again. God is the great encourager. That's why it's in our DNA. But I want to take you to Judges chapter 6. And I'm, I haven't put the whole to Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to read from, from verse 1. And so this is of what's happening here. But this is a great example of what encouragement looks like. And so it says in Judges, and if you know the story of Judges, it's this kind of horrible sighting them essentially to their own devices and they get conquered by a a foreign power and it's suffering. Or a judge is another name for that. So that's why we get the book of Judges. And so that's happening again in Judges chapter six. Seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian Midian wells in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. And so they, they hid. They spent their life. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Malachites and other eastern people invaded, did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their lives, the men and their camels, they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian cried out to the Lord, because of Midian he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, from the hand of all your oppressors, I drove them from before you and gave you their, in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And then it says, Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to Joash in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And so Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Threshing wheat. That's not where it's meant to be done. A wine press is like a pit juiced out of them to create wine. A threshing floor is usually a wide open so the grain will fall to the ground. And so, so Gideon is threshing wheat in the wrong place and he's trying to thresh enough grain in the wrong place so you'll have some food to eat. Then sits down and he says, what are you doing, Gideon, you big... You should be a braver person. No, he says, and this is on the screen, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty... Not just Gideon as he is, afraid and trapped. Gideon's faults and failures and and all the reasons why he could possibly be torn down. And he's called to be. The angel of the Lord sees not a... And so the angel of the Lord, other translations would say, Greetings, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Saying, I don't believe it about myself. And the angel of the Lord can giving him the boldness to step into who God sees him to be. And says, if the ground's wet and the fleece is dry, then I'll believe you, and that's what happens. And then he away, and and, and and so the angel of the Lord continues to encourage Gideon, the wine press, you're a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Other, to look beyond the frightened little man in the wine press and call them into who they are, why they can't step up and be who God's called them to be, why they can't do the good works that God's, their sin and their shame and say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, because God is with you. And in fact, this is, you know, in God's with you. In Joshua 1.9, this is just one of the occasions and, and, and say almost these exact same words. He says, have I not commanded you to Joshua... Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. How to encourage one another. We, we need to think about what the angel of the Lord did with Gideon, calling people in to have me call up this person. But we also need to remember, it's as simple as saying, God, prayed." don't be discouraged wherever you go. You can face this with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You can be... Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You can see that vision God's put on your heart, it seems, in your own eyes. Gideon was, crushed, was threshing wheat. He, he managed to raise up an army to try and uh, attack the Midian. It made the problem bigger and harder for him because he wanted him to know it's not about your own strength. It's because well, no matter how huge it seems to be, you can do it because God is with you. Tomorrow seems to get through to you to get through. No matter how today are coming for you in the days, weeks, months ahead, you can do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because the Lord you might be afraid hiding in a wine press warrior. So to to grab DNA, we need to learn to see what he sees. None of them start with why. We need to encourage on each. We need to build up and and not tear down. To, To control our voice manages to delete a thousand encouraging words. That unhelpful, unwholesome stuff, get out and tear people down, but only speak that and that encourages them to be all that God's created them to be. We're, we're going to head off in a moment. We're going to, um, when the worship team can connects, uh, we'll have um, some delicious morning tea, um, and and we'll have. Up to be everything that God's called us to be as a church is to not leave this building. It doesn't have to be a twenty-minute-long word. That you it can be as simple as, Hey, I don't know what, you because God's with you. Let's encourage each other, God's with you. So I want to challenge you of 20 people but I also want to encourage us if we're... We have these beautiful tools that are such perfect encouragement devices. Encouragement word, boom, 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 send, encouraging word. Don't forget God's with, speak to someone on it as well. (laughs) to embrace that challenge, not for a week, not for a year, but to say, I'm, I'm going to encourage. And you might think, well, I'm the one that really needs some encouragement. We're all firing off encouragement, left, right and center. Guess what happens? And so as the worship team uh, begins to play, but I want to leave you with this encouragement. Some of you, I know what lies ahead. Some of you, I've got, but I want to encourage you once more, God is with you. And as we think, you are who he sees you to be. In your own eyes, you might be a grasshopper, you're a mighty warrior. You are who he says that you are. And so Holy Spirit, the Paraclete of ourself, I pray that we would believe them to be true. No matter who you say we are. In the almighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love like you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.